9. Being an artist does not mean being an art critic. The painter must enclose himself within his work. He must respond not with words, but with paintings. Paul Cézanne Being an artist and being an art critic are two different professions. When you are an artist and when you show your work to your audience, people will write, talk and make comments about your work. Don't fear this. Welcome it. Avoid labeling your work or explaining it too much, for in doing so you will remove the mystery that others perceive in your work. Allow the viewer to interpret and discover the work for themselves. Provide an open door through which people can look at your work in different ways. Keep the window open for your audience to interpret your work. It goes along with claiming one's freedom and with providing this freedom to your audience as well. As we have seen, being an artist is defined by the ability to create art and to live a lifestyle conducive to art. Now, what defines being an art critic? For me, being an art critic, when looked at as a whole and from a distance, is having an opinion about what is good art and bad art. In some ways, being a critic is seeing the world in black and white, as a dichotomy, in terms of what the critic likes, and in terms, therefore, of what the critic considers good, as well as in terms of what the critic dislikes, and therefore in terms of what the critic considers bad. Being a critic is not about shades of grey, about nuances, about slight variations between tones. It is about sharp demarcations and taking sides. It is about being critical. Certainly, being an art critic is also, and ideally, being knowledgeable about the history of art, about art theory, and in respect to the visual arts, about visual art theory. A good critique will ultimately be familiar with the writings of Roland Barthes, John Berger, Walter Benjamin, Edwin Panofsky, and many others. But one can have read all these authors and not necessarily be a critique, as we are going to see. At this point, you may want to say, I can do both. I have knowledge of art history and theory. I have an opinion about what art I like and dislike. I like to share my opinion with others. And I think that this is all part of being a well-rounded artist. You can say that. And if you do, you are 100% right. All this is true. However, what matters is who you are. Are you first and foremost an artist? Or are you first and foremost an art critic? That is the real question and it is for you to answer, not for me. I know that, personally, I am first and foremost an artist. However, as I just said, I am a very well-read person in art theory, having worked on a PhD in visual theory, having completed an extensive knowledge of both the history of the art and the history of photography, and having spent countless hours reflecting upon what is art as well as studying the work of many other artists in the mirrors medium. However, what matters is who you are. Are you first and foremost an artist, or are you first and foremost an art critic? That is the real question, and it is for you to answer, not for me. I know that, personally, I am first and foremost an artist. However, as I just said, I am very well read in art theory, having worked on a PhD in visual theory, having a comprehensive knowledge of both the history of art and the history of photography, and having spent countless hours reflecting upon what is art, as well as studying the work of many other artists in different medium. I also have an opinion regarding what art I like and don't like. Notice that I don't say an opinion about what art is good and bad. To me, that is for the critics to decide. Personally, I know what I like and I don't like. That is all. 
I'm not about to make a call about what is good and what is bad. Finally, I have a desire to share my opinion in these matters. However, I don't do this as a critic either. I do this as a teacher, as an artist who wants to share his knowledge. Again, I am first and foremost an artist, then a teacher knowledgeable about art theory and history. What I am not is a critic. As I said, who you are is for you to decide. My goal is to help you make the distinction between artist and critic, not decide which one you are. Now you may add that many artists are highly critical of their work, and you may ask, does that make them art critics? My answer would be that it all depends how their critical outlook on their work manifests itself, what shape this outlook takes, and what appearance it presents. Let me explain. It is normal, expected, and encouraged for an artist to reflect on his or her work. After all, this is how we progress, evolve, and move forward in general. We need to be able to say, if I did this again, I would do things differently. I would try this other approach, for example. Or we need to be able to say, I wish this cliff wasn't so red or this water so blue, and I intend to change that. But notice that we make these comments to ourselves or to others only in passing, as if we were thinking aloud. This part of the process is growth, and it is a process that all artists experience. It becomes a different matter when such comments about one's work are made in public. Imagine an artist giving a talk at the opening of a gallery show of his work, and imagine hearing this artist say that his work isn't very good because he wishes he had done this and that differently that the work would be better if he had got the foreground sharp instead of blurry, that he would have had a much better print quality if he had used image print instead of the Epson driver, and so on. This attitude, which it turns out is rather commonplace, is not part of being an artist. Instead, such an attitude is indicative of an artist who has become his own critique. My point is, do your art and leave the critique to the critics. Don't do their job for them. If your points are valid, if the flaws you are concerned with are indeed visible in your work, let the critic find out about it. They should be able to see them. If they don't see them, your concerns are most likely to be due to fears rather than to actual shortcomings in your work. The point is that what you are so concerned about may not matter at all to your audience. These defects that you are pointing out may be more the result of your own lack of confidence, your own insecurity, than the result of actual shortcomings on your part. The thing is that no matter where we are, from a technical or artistic standpoint, we can all improve and get better. In that sense, there is always something that needs improving, something that is not working as well as we wish. Let it be, and let the critics find out about it. It is their job. Your job as an artist is to create art. The job of a critic is to critique art. While you may be aware of your own shortcomings, keep them to yourself. Why? Not because doing so is hiding the truth or being dishonest about your art. It is not. After all, what you have done is visible to all in your work. There is nothing hidden there. This is visual art. Anybody can see what you've done. It is hard to hide the contents of visual arts because by definition it is, after all, visual. No, keep it to yourself because bringing attention to what you perceive as defects will in turn bring your audience's attention to that aspect of your work and very possibly reduce your audience's enjoyment of your work. You see, they may never have seen it if you hadn't mentioned it, but now that you did mention it, they can't think of anything else. I recommend you let the audience and the critics be the judge. 
I also recommend that when you target with your work, you focus on positive things and not on what you think you did wrong or what you think does not work. When you listen to what people have to say about your work, you will be surprised at how few actually share your concerns. You will also be surprised at what else they see that you did not notice, probably because you were so absorbed in finding out all of your mistakes. Don't forget that mistakes are the foundation of art. As Picasso said, the goal is not to prevent mistakes, the goal is to foster them. 10. What about talent? Genius is the ability to renew one's emotions in daily experience. Paul Cézanne I once had a discussion with two friends. One said, art cannot be taught. The other said, art can be taught. They asked me my opinion. I said they were both right because while talent cannot be taught, there is a lot one needs to learn about art before one can make use of their potential talent. Granted, talent may arguably be responsible for making a huge difference in the final outcome, in the creation, or the lack of, of a masterpiece. However, without the required artistic knowledge on which to base one's potential talent, no work of artistic value will be created. So what is talent? In a way, talent can be defined as being the ability to make the best artistic use of the resources available to you at a specific time. Talent, by definition, involves competition. Why? Because how can you tell you are talented without comparing yourself with those you believe are not talented? Similarly, how can you be more talented than others if you do not compare yourself to others? Mozart was or so we are told, more talented than Salieri. Dali offered himself as the leading painter of the Surrealist movement and as, or so we are asked to believe, the one whose talent was showing the way. Others, such as Magritte, followed suit. Ansel Adams and Edward Weston traded paint, so to speak, with the generally accepted conclusion that while Weston was unquestionably a pure artist, Adams had a more well-rounded set of skills, which eventually allowed him to gain fame and fortune, while the latter excluded Weston all his life. Was Mozart more talented than Salieri? Dali more talented than Magritte? Adams more talented than Weston, or vice versa, for each of his three pairs of artists? Fact is, we don't know, can't tell, and are left with personal opinions about which artists we like or dislike. Talent cannot be quantified. One has it, or does not have it. It is about that simple. Any discussion of talent, when it comes to comparing artists of a certain caliber, is eventually an exchange of opinion, and not a scientific conversation. Talent is present in all disciplines, not only in art. Talent is eventually that spark that some have and others don't. It is this elusive quality that makes all the difference between something good and something great. It is the ability to use available resources in a way that no one else has thought of, whether that use is more creative, more all-inclusive, more thorough, or something else altogether. Talent has different names in different disciplines, for speakers and writers, it is called eloquence. The story of Demosthenes, a gifted orator in ancient Greece, who learned to overcome stuttering by practicing speaking with pebbles in his mouth, shows perhaps better than any other story the relative importance of talent versus physical limitations, as well as the importance of talent versus training. Cyrano de Bergerac, 
whose eloquence is at the epicenter of Edmond Rostand's story, overcame a physical malformation, namely a huge nasal appendage, by learning to make fun of himself better than any of those who were trying to ridiculize him. In many disciplines, talented practitioners are simply referred to as gifted, or as brilliant, or again as geniuses. What is similar in all professions is the lack of a specific definition. The absence of a consensus of what this gift, this brilliance, this genius actually consists of. Talent eventually is a mystery. While we enjoy its presence and its outcome, we can say but little about its implementation. But what are those resources that talented individuals make better use than common mortals? It depends on the field you are involved in, since talent is present in any discipline. They are talented engineers, talented accountants, talented race car drivers, pharmacists, masons, mechanics, etc. And of course, they are talented artists, working in all artistic mediums. So what makes a talented photographer? Well, for one, as the story I first told shows, talent is little without technical excellence. Why? Because talent cannot make up a lack of knowledge. If talent is being able to best use the resources available to you at a given time, then you have to learn exactly what those resources are made of and how they can best be used. You have to become the expert in what those resources consist of. Then, and only then, can you go above and beyond what anyone else has done so far with these resources. What is too often the case in art is believing that talent alone will make up for any and all shortcomings. It will not. Talent is not a remedy for lack of knowledge, lack of study, lack of work, lack of passion, and so on. Talent is the icing on the cake, so to speak. You have to have a cake for talent to shine. Talent is inspiration, imagination, thinking out of the box, or inside if you drive a scion, etc. Talent is the ability to exceed your limitations and those of your equipment within limits. If you follow Formula One racing, you know that no amount of talent on the part of a driver will allow that driver to turn a Minardi into a Ferrari. One may become the best Minardi driver there is, only to be outdone, and greatly so, by a less talented Ferrari driver. That's just the way things are. It is not necessarily fair, but it needs to be understood for what it is. 11. Skill Enhancement Exercises Exercises for this article are somewhat more challenging than for the previous articles in this series. This is because, as I explained in the introduction, this subject requires a more important commitment on your part. Nevertheless, I plan the exercises below so they prove helpful towards helping you discover if you are an artist or help you become a more well-rounded artist whichever your situation might be. Exercise A. Write an artist statement. There is nothing quite as useful as explaining why you do what you do, how you got to where you are, and where you plan to go from here. B. Write a history of you as an artist. Do a history of your life as an artist. Find old drawings, photographs, sculptures, paintings, or any other artwork that you did over the years, from the time you were a child until today, and put them together in a collection. If you no longer have these drawings, describe them in writing as well as you can, on a page of paper, and add this page to the collection in place of the original. Better, recreate the missing piece now as best as you can. 
It will be different from the original, but this recreation may lead to some interesting artistic breakthroughs. C. Portrait of the artist as a young man or woman. Describe yourself as you were or as you remember yourself when you just started your artistic career. The exact age you were at that time will vary from one person to the next. This may be you as a young child or you as a young adult or you at middle age or later or earlier at some other time. This is personal. But what matters is that you describe yourself as precisely as you can, the way you looked, what you thought, what your dreams were, your goals, your aspiration. There is a sort of resurfacing process, a sort of going back to the source, of remembering what things were like back then, before the baggage of life accumulated upon you, upon your goals, your aspirations and your dreams. It is a return to the source, to the spring of inspiration, and the key to this return is your memories of this past time. Make these memories as vivid as possible in your description. If you do not feel like writing, then draw or paint or create a musical piece or a sculpture or anything else that embodies your memories. Do not let the disappointments of life, the many turns and twisters that your existence took between then and now, prevent you from making as complete a description as you can. You need to return to the state in which you were back then. Exercise D. Make a list of the misconceptions you had about art before reading this article. Exercise E. Do you hesitate about whether to be an artist or not? If yes, what stops you from becoming an artist? Make a list of what stands in the way. Exercise F. What is your position in regards to being lucky? Have you been told by other people that you are lucky in regards to your photography? Do you think you are lucky? Take time to reflect upon this issue. Specifically, consider how your position in regards to luck influences first your own work and second the way you look at the work of other artists. Exercise G. Go out and create the photographs you have always wanted to create. Do it right now. We all have photographs or artwork that we wanted to create for a long time but have been waiting to create until we got better. With this exercise, I ask you to wait no longer and instead to go out and create this artwork or photographs right now. Don't hurt yourself and don't do anything silly, but do face your fears and the reasons you haven't created these images yet. In my estimate, the only true manner to face these fears is to go out and do it. Art is about creating, not about thinking when we are going to create. So go out and create the one image of the images you have wanted to create for years. I know it isn't easy, but if not now, then when? 12. Conclusion We live in a world that fosters the technical rather than the artistic, the mechanical rather than the organic, and a financial rather than a mecenistic approach. Art goes against all of that. While it can have a technical aspect, such as digital photography has, art is eventually about expressing yourself, about what inspires you, about sharing your views of the world with others what medium you use, as well as the technical intricacies of this medium, eventually fade away when compared with the message expressed in your work. Who knows the size of the chisels used by Michelangelo and whether they are made of hardened steel, Damascus steel, or some other metal. Only experts know which firm Ansel Adams used to create Moonrise Hernandez, New Mexico. I am sure you can find additional examples to further this argument. If you can, you know how little people will care 10 years from now whether you use micro drives or complex flashcards to store your raw files. Case closed. 
We also live in a world that loves placing boundaries on what we do. By definition, being an artist is not having boundaries about what we can create. However, this is less and less the case these days due to the limitations that artists impose or see imposed upon them. During a recent workshop, while talking with my Paris photographs, I was asked what was my definition of landscape photography. My answer was, just about any subject that is found outdoors. This question surprised me until I realized that it emerged out of the perceived conflict between my wilderness landscape photographs and my Paris or other cities landscape photographs. I had never perceived this as a conflict because I considered the natural landscape and the urban landscape, to simplify, as being both landscape photography. However, to a purist, I suppose there can be a difference. Not to me, though, and that is for me to decide. A lot of photographers feel bound by similar situations. If you are not free to create, how can you be creative? And if you are not creative, how can you be an artist? On a different level, art cannot be judged by how much money it brings back to you. Whether you make no money at all or make an obscene amount through the sale of your art are not accurate commentaries on the actual artistic qualities of your work. I have experienced both, and I know that neither situation was generated by the quality of my work. The artistic quality of your work and the amount or lack of money your work generates are two separate things. Finally, art is by nature a messianistic activity. I believe one does not choose art as a career. Instead, art chooses us, for better or for worse, as they say. In this regard, you have to make the best of a difficult situation, and in this endeavor, several options are open to you. You can decide to try and make a living with art. Some are very successful at this, and in this respect, I can only send you back to paragraph 2 above of this conclusion. You can also decide that art is something you want to do for yourself and for a limited audience without trying to make money with it. That is a fair decision, one that will go a long way towards protecting your artistic sensitivity from the school of hard knocks that you will be forced to attend should you want to make an income from your art. That decision will also go a long ways towards freeing a lot of your time from activities such as marketing, salesmanship, show attendance, record keeping, taxes, and other activities that are required of you as an artist in business. You can also decide that art is art, that it is your sacred heaven, the part of you that no one but a selected few will ever get to see. You can decide to shun the public spotlight, the 10 minutes of fame promised by the media that lure many of us towards creating a public identity and presence. This last choice, which in a sense is at the opposite extreme of the art for riches approach, is maybe the one that will give you the most creative freedom. Whether the results of this choice are worth it or not is for you to decide. Finally, keep in mind that art is supposed to be a fun and creative endeavor. If doing art is stressful, problematic, gives you headaches, and keeps you awake at night, you are definitely not doing it right. You need to free yourself from what is stressing you when you are trying to be creative. I mentioned the expression artist in business, and in this essay I made a sharp distinction between being an artist and making a living from your art. This is because I truly believe that those are two entirely different activities. The former involves being an artist, while the latter involves being a businessman. I therefore decided, as I mentioned previously, that the 11th article in this series will be being an artist in business. 
If this sounds like something you want to read, or if you have any comments about the present essay, make sure to drop me a line at alan, A-L-A-I-N, at beautiful-landscape.com. In the meantime, as are all the other installments so far, this series continues to be a thriver.